Hey there, welcome to the Book of Majora podcast, the podcast where we discuss the lore of the Legend of Zelda series. I'm your host, Crystal, and with me is Monica. Hello. And Cameron. Hi. This is part nine of our five-part series on Skyward Sword, sort of the denouement episode. I feel like we'll be able to get to the end now. I feel like we're already at the end now. I mean, we killed Demise, the tyrannical being as he's called in Japanese. Really? Uh, hmm. Is he that tyrannous? Yeah, he's pretty. he wants to literally rule the entirety of creation with an iron fist. He's not tyrannous yet, though. I I mean, you saw what he did to Girahim, his most faithful servant. Yeah, that was, that was rough. That was like the very picture of tyranny. He is the demon king, and monarchy is always tyranny. Mm. Mm. Unless it's like a movie. Unless it's a fantasy story. Unless yeah. it's Zelda and the Hyrulean royal line. Yeah. But this particular episode of the podcast is not about breaking down different forms of government, I think. Well, I'm actually, so we'll, sure. we'll probably talk about that a little bit when they oh, come okay. down to the surface. <laughs> okay, yeah, you're probably not wrong. Yeah, Demise is dead. You killed him. He put and a the- curse on the timeline. Yeah, and then the Master Sword uh, sucked up his remaining life stuff and personality and all of his being. And uh, now he's gone. Hmm. Slowly destroyed over millennia. Yeah, if I tells you that a little bit later, that uh, he is being utterly annihilated. The writing of this line is a little strange because she does say that, but also she's not as clear about it as she was about the other time he killed Demise. Could you read the line? Let me hold on, bring it up. Let's bring up the script on our end, too. I have confirmed the eradication of the Demon King. His residual consciousness has been absorbed into the Master Sword and is now sealed away. Um, I think that's fairly concrete. Like, what remains of him right now, there's residual stuff. Um, no, but this isn't the entirety of what she says with regards to it. Let's see. I know for a fact that she talks about this more concretely. It may be right after you defeat him. This is right after you defeat him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Scroll down. I think that's it. No, come on. She does definitely... No, it's not Fi who says it. Okay, it might actually be Zelda. Give me a minute here. Or Impa. Yes, it's Impa who says, The last remnants of Demise are decaying slowly within the sword. Someone must stay behind to watch over this blade. His, His spirit must not reawaken. He must never be allowed to threaten the world again. Yes, that's a little that's a little different of a situation than the imprisoned who was 100% completely dead forever. Well, I mean, it, he's still decaying, and it's not like he comes back when the Master Sword is drawn next. I think it's not the imp- a total eradication. I, mm, 
I don't know, once your soul gets eaten by the Master Sword and you decay to nothing inside of it, I'd call it eradication. Well, he doesn't burst out at any point. There's no return of demise. There's never a return of demise. And I don't think they're setting it up so that demise will return when the sword breaks. But there is a well from which the from whence the curse may spring. I don't I don't know. I think the curse is already out there. I mean, I'm a, I'm of that particular school who thinks that the curse probably ended up manifesting as the trident of power. Okay. I mean, it makes as much sense as anything. I mean, because Dan in... doesn't have it in some games. No, he doesn't. Because he already took all the power from it. He is the curse manifest after that. In this, in the accursed timeline, we've placed Four Swords Adventures. And that's where the trident features prominently. Yes. And it imbues somebody with all that evil. And it is, as near as we can tell, created as an artifact of the demon tribe to hold all of their hate. Which is more or less in line with how the curse is described in Japanese. Okay. I mean, that's just how I... I I think it's a perfectly cogent reading of the curse. We grant you the power to ruin the world. The power of darkness. Evil spirit of magic trident. You are the king of darkness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's that from? That's from Four Swords Adventure. Oh, cool. I I never remember anything about FSA. We did an entire episode on this, actually. We did, I know. And I did my research on it, and then I just shunted it out of my head. Okay, you know what? Fair enough. We're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves discussing these particular lines of dialogue without describing the scenes that, um, you know, give rise to them. Um, this is after Link heads back into the sealed temple. Yes. And Zelda's there and she thanks him and says, I think it's over. Finally, it's all over. And she has the weepy times. Which is the callback to Ocarina of Time. Only it wasn't really over at that point. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's what she says just before Ganon comes screaming out of the ground. Yeah, she's a little bit more on or accurate here. Yeah, it is over for now. And this is the part where Groose makes the joke about the title of the series. Yeah. It says, you know, uh, this was a fun little adventure we all had, huh? I guess this story needs a title. Something manly and badass, like The Legend of Groose. <laughs> Manly and badass is sort of read in here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, Legend of Groose, he and named it. Groose had to get in one last silly joke. Okay. And he did. And he acknowledges it's a joke. He's not trying to... He's no longer the person who tries to make the story about him. He knows he's not the protagonist. Mm-hmm. But Impa does acknowledge him and his contributions because this couldn't have been done without him. And Groose is the best like, Ganon. What? No. Oh. I, I don't like Go those on. theories that he's a Grudo. No, Crystal, why don't you elaborate on what you mean? He has red hair. Uh-huh. That, that's it. That's the whole thing. <laughs> that is, that is that, the, that's all of the theory. That is the he entire theory. Hair. Similar to theories that Malin is related to the Gerudo because she also has red hair. She can ride horses. She can also ride horses. She that's a point. really ride horses. Yeah. We, yeah, they imported, thing. Malin imported horse riding from the Gerudo. God. Yeah, trying to relate different characters throughout the series to the Gerudo as a way of saying, like, where did the Gerudo go? is always an interesting bit of discussion to have, but also deeply, deeply troubling sometimes. Yeah. Like, framing Groose as the one ancestor 
of a people composed almost entirely of women is just a little weird. And I'm not going to apologize for that. It's weird. It's fine if you thought about it because his hair is red and for no other reason except for that his hair is red, but it's weird. <laughs> um, we jump right into saying goodbye to Fi. Yes. Right away she's like, okay, my job is done. See ya. That's basically it. I think that I I have I am of two minds with regard to this particular sequence because it may be the most unearned emotional beat in any Zelda game. Yes. Like, I felt a much deeper twinge in my heart when Navi says that Ganon won't hold her back again and this time you fight together. It's like, oh, my fairy. And as you compare that to Fi here, who has had literally nothing to try to connect you personally over the entire course of the game and is barely characterized, not nearly as much as Navi is, and it doesn't feel like they really earned how sad they frame this scene as being but on the other hand it has by far the single best sad character theme in the entire history of the series if you're someone who had an emotional connection to fee right in please there must be some of you there i'm sure that there are tens of people out there for whom that's true out of the millions who played it and i would love to hear from you i know there's a few fan artists that really Love Fee. Yes. And draw her with Girahim. Yes. The Girafi ship. Yeah, so, you know, fan works have grown her character. Yeah, that's kind of the role of fan work, though. I'm just talking about this sequence in the context of how she's presented in the game. Mm, mm. But it's like, I don't want to like this scene because it's not really earned, but the music is so good it fucks me up a little bit anyway. Yeah, and how she talks, too. Because she talks much more naturalistically here. Well, also, she says that, you know, by driving the sword into the pedestal, she'll return to the sword to enter into a sleep without end. And you're like, oh. For all intents and purposes, Fi will die once you place the master sword in the pedestal. Right. And she stops. At, this apparently ends their relationship as master and servant, so she stops with the master links and just calls you Link. Yes, and this oh god, this <laughs> particular is free. Thing. Oh no! Oh good. I'm glad that no. Let's, let's make that comic where someone gives Fee a sock. Okay. Remember so, Harry Potter? Oh, yes. I mean, yeah, I read Harry Potter. I read part of Harry Potter. Remember that was the the biggest series in the world. It was, yes. In some wow. ways, it still is. Wild. My, my co-worker is absolutely bonkers over Harry Potter, so I never stopped hearing about Harry Potter. There's a lot of white people who never stopped being bonkers <laughs> over Harry Potter. It's just, you know, it's just people at a certain age. She hit peak Potter at her peak. Yeah, it's like she know, was about childhood. 17 when that last book came out. Mm. Give or take. I assume? How old is she? It doesn't matter. But, like... There's there's two part, there's two lines in this conversation that really jump out at me because one of them is so bad and the other one is so good and it's the one where the one that's so bad is where Phi leads in this long explanation of this upwelling of feeling inside of her and she believes that it is what humans call happiness and I'm like Ugh! <laughs> you could have written that any other way that's so clunky well also. There are no indications through the rest of the game that she's 
growing, developing feeling. If that was one of the intent behind the dialogue, then it didn't come across very well in the English translation. She doesn't become more naturalistic in her speech patterns over time. In fact, if anything, she remains exactly as robotic. But the good line here is when she says, may we meet again in another life. Oh, that's so good. That's pretty fucking all right. I like that. That's not bad. <laughs> and it's got I'm a sucker for any time people speak across centuries. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's the shit. Or lifetimes. Oh, I love it. Assassin's Creed has a couple good scenes like that. Oh, yeah? Why don't you tell us about one? Uh, there's one at the end of Assassin's Creed Revelations, where the whole thing is Ezio's looking for Altair's secret library. It's going to have all sorts of uh, great wisdom hidden within it. And when he finally gets in it, there are no books or wisdom. There is only the skeleton of Altair holding a memory disc that records his final days. And then he replays that memory disc where Altair says goodbye to his son and seals himself inside the temple, along with an apple of Eden, uh, to die guarding it. And then Ezio wakes up from that reliving that memory and goes to the apple and is like, you know what? I'm not even going to take this. I'm just going to leave this here. Then the apple activates, and Ezio starts giving a speech to Desmond, because he knows that he might not understand what's happening, but Desmond, somehow, somewhere, is watching it. That's that pretty, cool. pretty cool. But you've, you've mentioned previously that the Desmond plot doesn't lead anywhere. No. <laughs> but that sounds like a good scene in this plot that doesn't lead anywhere. Yeah. Speaking across centuries is a very cool motif that isn't used nearly enough in storytelling. Yeah. Let me let me get Ezio's speech up here. Uh, okay. Yeah, let me just read that out. Okay. Okay. This is a this this is how you know that we have enough time to record today. <laughs> Desmond, I heard your name once before, Desmond, a long time ago, and now it lingers in my mind like an image from an old dream. I do not know where you are or by what means you can hear me, but I know you are listening. I have lived my life as best I could, not knowing its purpose, but drawn forward like a moth to a distant moon. And here at last I discover a strange truth, that I am only a conduit for a message that eludes my understanding. Who are we who have been so blessed to share our stories like this, to speak across centuries? Maybe you will answer all the questions I have asked. Maybe you will be the one to make all this suffering worth something in the end. That's pretty cool. This is the guy from the really cool Assassin's Creed trailer, right? Yes. Cool. You know the trailer she's referring to, right? Which trailer are you referring to? Uh, um, the one where the guy gets captured and then is about to be hung, and he keeps on seeing visions of some other guy, and then they're going to throw him off the building, but he's like, no, gotcha. Ezio's in his gray years, and he's attacking that citadel, and he kills like 35 guys before he's brought down. And then they're oh, yeah, about that trailer. To, yeah, and he sees Altair... <laughs> off on another thing you can tell by our two descriptions what captures your attention and what captures mine well no not at all it's like you left off literally 80 percent of the trailer yeah i know i summarized no 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 you didn't even include the fucking fight at all that's what i mean i am the first x-man that jokes ahead of our time that's a joke from the assassin's creed revelations literal trailer by tabascus 
Oh. Um, this line is also... Sorry, going back oh, to... Jesus, Scar- God, that is a hard fucking pivot back into Zelda. The, the, the may we meet again in another life is what people who have played Skyward Sword think of when that memory occurs in Breath of the Wild. Yes, absolutely. When All 15 of us. When <laughs> Fi speaks Sword. to you, yeah. It's a great connection, though. It is. It is very good. Like, I think that people have more good feeling towards Fi in that one moment, in that one memory of Breath of the Wild than in the entirety of Skyward Sword. Yes. So... Even after ten thousand plus years, there's still there's still some fi in there. Yeah, but then um, the question is if it's the same fi. Oh. I, I was wondering if you would remember that. Oh, I remember. Believe you me, because yeah. of the way that the timeline split works, I do remember. Because you know what? Let's get to let's just describe the events as they're presented to us, and then we'll get into talking about the timeline. Do you want to finish the rest of the plot first? Yes, that's exactly what I mean to say. Okay. So after you place the Master Sword in the pedestal, you talk to Impa. And Zelda's like, Impa, you should come with us back to the present time. And Impa's like, I literally can't. I tell you what, I'm going to stay here and I'm going to make sure that nobody messes with the Master Sword. Though that really shouldn't be a problem. And she also says she's going to guard the Triforce. Yes. What? Yeah, because the Triforce is in Skyloft. The Triforce is in Skyloft, or alternatively, the Triforce is only on the sacred grounds thousands of years from now. Yes. Well, what is she talking about? The one in Skyloft. How? Slash in the sacred realm. Does the fact that Demise has been destroyed means that Skyloft is programmed to come down now? When it has served its purpose, it must be secreted away to lie dormant once again. What? Those but the, hmm. but what does that what does that mean? It needs to be used and then secreted away. But Crystal, how is she supposed to get the Triforce? She's going to do all those silent trials. I, I she could maybe do it's it. not up there yet. <laughs> maybe it's not up there yet. Maybe that particular element hasn't been done yet. But then when would we pretend, you know what? We'll come back to it. We'll come back to it because this smells stunningly like time fuckery. Yep. So Impa reasserts the fact that she has to stay behind. That is the nature of the task given to her tribe by the goddess herself. That's pretty cool. And this is the first mention of like the Sheikah tribe. And she promises that they will surely meet again someday and wait wait, you're jumping forward am i yeah just that the tribe is the goddess's chosen guardians i i didn't think i was really okay that's pretty important okay go ahead um also i guess technically past zelda is still there sleeping Uh uh-huh so that's kind of what she's there for um maybe no is zelda still there I don't know. We never actually see it in this part. Right. So, um, yeah, that's another thing that we're going to have to come back to mm-hmm. because it creates some troubling implications depending on how you read this ending. Mm-hmm. Is that all you? Yeah. Okay. And Impa tells Zelda not to despair for surely they will meet again someday. And Zelda gives her one of her bracelets. Bracelet counts still at right now four, I think. Yes. Currently four bracelets in the past, one bracelet in the future. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Five, then. And uh, 
no, no, no. We're only talking about where it is in the past okay, right now. Okay. So then they return to the present time where we have a current bracelet count of two. Two. One on Zelda and one on the old woman. And the <gasps> old woman is like, do you see? I told you that we would meet again. And then she fucks off. Well, no, that's a very bad description of then what happened. Then she dissipates. She dies. Into golden light because she, she's been alive for thousands of years. Yeah. And it's like, Groose is so happy to see her again. He wants to tell her the whole story of what happened. And everything is good. And he gets to talk to his surrogate mom. And Zelda's so happy to see her. And Link is like, we did it. It's finally fucking over. And then she's like, okay, job finished. And then she just fucking dies right there. And it's the actual earned emotional moment. As she dissipates into nothing. And the bracelet drops to the ground with a sound like crystal bouncing um everybody's surprised by this including zelda that that was impa or that she died both yeah why is hylia surprised she's not using her future vision at this moment (laughs) i think that yeah she's looking at it from the perspective of zelda not from the time god okay okay one thing to mention here is that the, the master sword is visible in the background. It sure is. In the present time. Uh-huh. And so, uh, mm-hmm. yep, that's true. The Master Sword is definitely there in the present time. Uh, Even though it wasn't before. Nope. It was not. Which is interesting because the Master Sword has changed the past, but it wasn't there before. But Zelda's bracelet was there before and hasn't changed the past. And it changed retroactively, but the Master Sword did not change retroactively. Anyway, we'll come back to it. Okay. <laughs> and it's... Nice little series of sequences to let you know that everything is okay now. Um, The Temple of the Goddess is still descended to the ground. So everything that happened with the imprisoned in the present still happened, which means that Demise's death was not retroactive either. And um, get this thing where Colin and Stretch come down to the ground. Wait, no, 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 no. Okay, how about you do it? You you describe this. Uh, No, after Impa disappears and the armlet bounces on the ground, uh, the... The back doors open, um, and you see the Master Sword um, surrounded by those pumpkin vines. Yep. And roll the best credits ever. Oh, is this where the... Yeah. I thought that it started after... No. Okay, yeah, this is where the best staff roll in the history of the series comes in. It's I, probably I, my, still my favorite piece. Like favorite piece of music? In, in the Zelda series, maybe? What do you think of this staff roll, Crystal? It's a pretty good staff roll. Do you have any that you prefer over it? Wind Waker's pretty good. Wind Waker is pretty good. I think the second, my second favorite one is the Link to the Past one. The Link to the Past one's very good. This is number one as far as the narrative told within the credits. Oh yeah, the scenes are great too. Yeah. You get unique scenes. Yeah. Our, our <laughs> listeners will be able to judge the quality of the staff role for themselves because there's nothing else that I could possibly end this episode with. I love the part, the waltz part in it. Oh, it's very good. The reprise of the Ballad of the Goddess. Yes. And then all the, the male choir. Yeah, it's really good. But the the scenes that play during the credits are the, the, the occurrences of the game from Zelda's perspective. Oh, yeah. So she, starting with how she crash lands down onto the surface with the harp and runs into the old lady... And um, the old lady points her to the forest. So you see Zelda, I guess, going through the entire um, Skyview Temple 
Yep. We don't see her go through it, but you see her at the shrine and she's praying alone. She made it. She made it. And then she goes to Elden by herself um, and gets captured. But really, that was a long, long way through for somebody without any sort of weaponry. Yeah, she did real good. Then she gets saved by young Impa and they make it to the uh, spring together. And I guess this is where she fully awakens as Hylia. Because Impa kneels to her. If if Skyward Sword were a shoujo manga instead of a shoujo video game that's more still made for boys, this is the story that we would have experienced in reading it. Really, that'd be a really interesting perspective to take. And then you just have Link doing really badass things in the background. Yeah, like I would read that manga super hard. I Actually, I kind of wish that's what the Skyward Sword manga was. <laughs> but you love your shoujo. Yeah, I do. I mean, that's not bad. No. Um, that's really it to the credits. To the little scenes you see. Yeah, that's most of the story that you get. Because after that, you have a pretty good idea of what happened. It's more getting you caught up on the stuff that you didn't see. And then you get all these peaceful looks at everything and how things are going without all the monsters around. And it's pretty nice now. The surface isn't too bad. In fact, it's nice enough that it seems like the people of Skyloft might end up moving down here. Colin and Stritch come on down, and you get this shot of Gapora down there seeing all the little birds, and he's kind of tripping his shit a little bit. And the Triforce is still in the Hylia, giant Hylia statue. It's just right and, up there. Yeah. Yeah. Glowing for everybody. That's where it would be. Um, the Scritch and Colin and Gapora leave. Yeah. They fly off. Yep. And Link is up there on the statue playing for Zelda on the harp. Yep. As one does. And... Zelda lets Link know that she wants to live here um, with the ground under her feet and the cloud over her head and watching over the Triforce. And she asks Link, what do you want to do now? And in the mode of, you know, the Zelda games, Link does not respond and it pans off. Yeah, it just pans out. With the birds, their birds flying off. Yeah, the the covenant of the Skyloft has been dissolved. Or they don't need them right now. Or maybe ever. Could be either way. <laughs> and so he's staying down there with her. That does seem to be the implication of that sequence, yeah. The implication of that sequence I got was that Link didn't hear her questions, just smiling and nodding. Oh, no! No! Uh, that would be in keeping with Link at the beginning of the game, who's not a very good boyfriend. No, his, his, his dream is clear now. That's true. His dream is clear now. Do you think that might be a little bit of a... What do you call it? Uh ungenerous take on Link here, Crystal? <laughs> I don't think Link had a character development. Oh, no. I don't think he got one. Crystal. Oh, no. His bird flew off. Oh, I mean, you and I do often have um, kinder readings of how Link is written than Crystal does. Mm. See, okay, if you're going to say Link here definitely commits to Zelda... That's how Monica reads it. Mm-hmm. There is the issue of Beatrice. Uh-huh. And that Link may have also committed to her also. Yep. I mean, Link doesn't necessarily... I can get it as reading that he's definitely willing to stay on the surface, even if that means that Beatrice needs to come down too. Because he's got a job here. Beatrice has family in Skyloft. I think that... There's a heavy implication in this sequence that everyone from Skyloft comes to live on the surface. Maybe. Oh, what do you mean, maybe? So, may, yeah, I also think it's a maybe, because maybe 
Zelda and Beatrice never find out about each other, and Link has two families. Oh my god. Okay. Secret family. No. Can't oh, they just wow. be in a happy poly relationship if, you know, Beatrice is... I mean, I, I that's possible, but this is like, Crystal, you're creating a Link who is... A shitbag. Almost as big a cad as the sir, as the textual reading of Link from the cartoon. Uh, and that guy's a fucking shitbag. What I'm shit saying bag. is that of Zelda's love interests, there is one who did undergo a character development. <laughs> okay. That's right, baby. I'm talking about Zelgrus. You know what? You're not entirely wrong. Oh, no, you should see the faces Monica's making. They are quite colorful. Yeah, colorful is a good word for these expressions. And Groose did get very close to Zelda's grandma. Also true. Grandma slash big sister. Oh, man. <laughs> All these blinkings. I can't. I okay. don't have a comment. I'm this. pulling out. We can't. We can't. We, we got it. We can't do this. I, I, I have to continue living in this apartment. We're not doing this right now. Yeah, Zelgrus is a perfectly good ship. I actually never see anything relating to Zelgrus, which is probably because this is the most canon that Zelink has ever been. But it's still interesting that you don't see anything for Zelgrus. Zelus. Here, I found, I found uh, art. Okay. I, I don't actually know what the official ship name is. Maybe I'm just using the wrong term. Yeah, this is about what I expected. Grus looks like ten times more, like shown in in this yeah he's pretty young man Groose, and his arms started, aren't big enough he started doing his eyebrows yeah i guess so <laughs> not getting rid of that hairdo though no that's oh, part of, of his not. identity don't be ridiculous yeah why would he ever girahim only said that that hair almost made him throw up to look at it <laughs> we skipped over that line but that was a thing he literally says that awful hair is making my gorge rise and then he kicks Groose in the chest that's pretty good. It's pretty good. Anyway, yeah, Zelgrus uh, does involve more character development. Link has some character development L- in this. Yeah, you have to do much harder reading to see Link's character development than Grus's. Grus's is fronted. Grus, oh, definitely, Grus has more of a development. Yeah, Grus is fronted for the player in a much easier to read way. But I think it's okay. sort of in the way, in the style of Breath of the Wild, where you know people talk about Link never really improving. Okay, listen. Ain't neither one of you read Breath of the Wild Link the same way that I do. And we'll get to that at the Breath of the Wild episode, but... But what I mean is you, the care, you sort of sync up with Link through playing Skyward Sword and you getting more focus is Link getting more focus. Mm. Here's how the next few decades play out. Oh, God. Link marries Zelda. They're married. But also Link is often away uh, for long periods of time in the Uh. sky to visit his secret family. And at that time, Groose starts checking up on Zelda, and they start having their own affair. Crystal. Uh Uh-huh. No, I mean, this is a a different kind of shoujo. It's not the good kind, (laughs) but it is definitely a kind. She's so unhappy right now, Crystal. Oh, no. I'm fine. But, uh, yeah, that's definitely one of the readings. Do you think that the people of Skyloft... I'm going to ask you two this question straight up. Do you think that the people of Skyloft came to live on the surface, and that is the beginning of the kingdom of Hyrule. Yes. Yes. Most of them came down. Okay. Just to be clear, because for a minute there, it didn't seem obvious to me that both of you would say yes. 
I I think some part of the population probably stayed up there. Okay, do you think they became the Uku? Possibly, yes. Okay, that's what happened to Colin. He's the Uku. He couldn't leave his ghost hand. Yeah, he couldn't leave his ghost hand. Man, fuck Colin. Peace and shit. Migrations don't usually involve, like, necessarily 100% of the population leaving. Yeah, that's that's true. I don't know. I, 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 I do think that we're supposed to take that this is where the kingdom of Hyrule is started using the power of the Triforce. Pippet's mom would not budge from that house. Let's be real here. Um, It depends. There's a lot of dust that she can throw around on the surface. Mm. She can get the finest artesian dust. What I will say is the people who live on the surface do eventually become disconnected from their loft wings. Yes, that does definitely seem to happen. And the loft wings seem to disappear over time. Maybe the loft wings turn into the Uka. Oh. Well, the loft wings and the Skyloftians are two parts of one soul. And then they fuse into one? Yeah. The Uka. There is another game in which Skyward Sword Link appears. Okay, that what would game be is this? Sonic Lost World for the Nintendo Wii. Oh, good. Okay, what? yes. Before we get to the real discussion about this ending, yes, let's talk about the Sonic Lost World Legend of Zelda stuff. So there is a bonus level in Sonic the Lost World for the Nintendo Wii U, in which Sonic uh, goes to the newly formed Kingdom of Hyrule. Which looks a lot like the Kingdom of Hyrule from Twilight Princess. Yes, but Skyward Sword Link is there and flies in his loft wing, so clearly this is very recently after the end of this game. Uh-huh. And then Sonic uh, goes, does some platforming, goes into a secret tunnel guarded by Gorons, and uh, obtains the Triforce. Yep, that's how that level ends. Oh. Oh, you didn't watch this video when Crystal put it in the Slack? I thought it was a mod. No, this is a real thing that Sonic Team made. Oh. Nintendo of America uh, licensed it to them. Reggie signed off on this. Reggie did sign off on it. Well, the Triforce is on the surface, so I guess uh, Sonic could acquire it. Sonic's very fast. But so, no, Cameron, this- you've been very insistent that Kirby is a dark interloper. <laughs> uh-huh. How does Sonic fit into your theory? Uh, okay, the easiest thing for me to do is to go, Kirby was in a Zelda game and Sonic wasn't. But the other part of me is like, I don't know if I ever want to touch Sonic canon. Because people talk about Kingdom Hearts canon, but Kingdom Hearts isn't that damn complicated. Sonic canon is a nightmare. And I don't think I ever want to touch it. And I can't touch it. And what Sonic did when he wished on the Triforce was he wished for the world to be better. And that's how we got Sonic Mania. Okay. How do you see Sonic fitting into the canon, Crystal? He doesn't. Okay. It's just a fun little bonus level. It's a fun <laughs> little Easter egg. Uh, what are you trying to say with regards to Kirby? He's not. Kirby's not a dark interloper. Okay, but what about that enemy in Link's Awakening? Is a fun little reference to the Kirby series. Okay, so are you saying the the Oniroverse is not a thing? It is a thing. And Wart's there. Wart's there, yeah. Is Wart also just a fun little thing and not actually Wart? I mean, they're actually there, but Kirby's not a dark interloper. <laughs> okay, you know what? I'm going to let you have this argument for right now. Maybe we'll come back to it another time. We probably won't. There's another game where Link from Skyward Sword is in. Oh, oh, oh? Mario Kart 8! Oh, yeah. That's true. Where you 
where Link rides a, a motorcycle. Yeah. And you tour around, I guess they built Hyrule Castle. Yeah, um, that game is also interesting because Link from Breath of the Wild is also in the game with his canonical motorcycle. Uh-huh. And uh, so you have the earliest Link on record with the latest Link on record. Timeline well, that That is in the, the Mario universe where The Legend of Zelda is a popular fictional series. Yes. So the Sonic... Lost World thing is set in the Sonic universe where the Legend of Zelda is also extant? Does Sonic run around a theme park in the special levels of the Lost World? Or do we not deign to treat Sonic canon with the same seriousness as Mario canon? I'm trying to look at what the Lost World of Sonic is. Let's see the story. I'm glad that we're avoiding talking about the time fuckery of Skyward Sword for as long as possible because it's going to have some stuff in it. Oh, it's a world in the sky. I beg your pardon. The Lost Hex. Oh. There's an indigenous Zeddy race. Uh, 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 can you describe them for me? They're like ugly little cartoon men. Oh, is it kind of racist? No, they're just like bad designs. Oh, okay. Well, bad design's better than racism. There's one so that's that has, what... like, a, a Fu Manchu mustache. Well, I mean, as one does, you know. Okay, Monica, you need to get back in on with us. Um, hi. The question is... Okay, um... <laughs> but there wasn't a question. Okay, 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 okay. So, Crystal, you put forth at one point in the past, and I think... Mm, I probably agree with you now. I'm curious to hear if you still hold this position. That Skyward Sword and its ending is meant to be read as a closed loop. Oh, yes, I I would think there wouldn't be argument against that. That that's how it's supposed to be read. Closed loop yes, in what I manner? In that link, th- this is just the past of the same timeline. It's a lot like the time travel stuff in Ocarina before the ends, where it's all set in the adult timeline. Right, but... I think that one could also argue that if that's what they were going for in their depiction of events in Skyward Sword, then they really screwed the pooch. Oh, for sure. Because, <laughs> like, if it's supposed to be a closed loop, then none of this shit makes a lot of sense. It specifically can't be a closed loop. No, it can't for a lot of reasons. Like, there's a phrase that I used when I described the ending of Skyward Sword on Twitter. It was something silly like uh, conditional pan-temporal interference. But also that's not a completely inapt description of what goes on in this ending. Where Impa has Zelda's... Old Impa has Zelda's bracelet throughout the entire game. From the first second that you meet her. But Demise isn't destroyed in the past... In the a Master way, Sword isn't there. The Master Sword isn't there. Uh, the Triforce isn't there to be guarded in the past. Um, God, uh, there's the whole problem with Zelda disappearing. It reads more cogently if it's a timeline split. Yes. That doesn't mean that it reads cleanly, because it doesn't. The problem of the Master Sword being placed in the past and still being there in the present is like a problem. Regardless of how you look at this, it's probably the single element that they meant to use to visually indicate that this is a closed time loop thing. But also, it's the Master Sword, and the Master Sword fucks with time. And that it may be one of the pedestal of time. Yes. 
That may be one of the machinations of Hylia to begin with, really. Yes. So when Link places the Master's sword in the pedestal in the past, the Goddess sword is still up in Skyloft, still extant. Yes. Which creates problems because it means that if we're supposed to read this as a closed loop, then the Master's sword exists concurrently with the Goddess sword. But we can't be sure of how that pantemporal interference works with relation to this stuff. But we know that they existed at the same time for at least a while. Why do you say the Goddess Sword is already up there? Because Skyloft is already up there. And the Goddess Sword was sent up with Skyloft. Okay. So long as the Temple of the Goddess is not on the surface, that means that the Goddess Sword is in the sky. Ah, uh, that makes sense. It is just a little complicated because they established the Triforce isn't up there yet. Uh, did they? Or, or maybe it, it is. I don't know. It, it probably is up there as well. I think Hylia it, sent the Triforce up with it. They very fine. specifically kind of skirted around that whole bit of the discussion. What this really means is that the ending to Skyward Sword as a time travel story is a fucking mess. And what we're doing is more taking it and trying to suss it out in such a way that makes for compelling reading of the time. Okay, let's take it one piece at a time. Oh, okay. lordy. Okay, do you have a list of pieces? I, I'll, I mean, make a list, I guess. Piece one, the Master Sword. Okay. and Before the- we start that, we should mention, there's so there's two sorts of time effect. Uh-huh. Yes. There's, we, we discussed this during the last episode. There's the thing that has always been there. Yep. And you you caused it. And then there's the things that don't appear until you cause it. Or, yes. Okay, so the (laughs) things that have always been there and you caused it would be uh, Impa's bracelet, uh, Zelda and the big pumpkin crystal. Uh Uh-huh. And the things that don't appear until you cause it but retroactively rewrite history would be things like the Tree of Life. And the Master Sword. And the Master Sword. But there's a third kind of thing. The thing that changes in the past, but does not reflect on the future at all. Yes. And broadly speaking, those also exist in two categories. One of them is stuff that you do with time shift stones, which can affect the present, but also might not. Mm -hmm. And they are very localized in how they affect things temporally. Like they're anchors that if you're a certain distance away from them when they're activated then your effect through the past is not felt and the other kind is when demise is killed in the past but remains alive in the present yes sealed yes absolutely so So, in occurring of time there were also two types of time travel but they were clearly delineated by the type that link does and the type that zelda does yes Mm mm-hmm There is not as clear of a delineation here. No, there isn't, especially because there's three kinds, and they don't seem to work necessarily consistently when they interact with each other. In Ocarina of Time, they're kept very clean and apart, but in Skyward Sword, they intersect constantly. Did they just not think this through? (laughs) Yes, absolutely, that's what happened, but... Them Shall not, we explain it? Them th- not thinking it through doesn't affect our ability to read what's going on. Okay, so let's get to the pieces. Okay, so one of the pieces which we've discussed at length would be, uh, I guess we, we'll we leave aside time shift stones for right now because they are their own 
basket of eggs that are just begging to be dropped on the ground. Okay. What piece would you like to address first, Crystal? Let's talk about the Master Sword. Oh, jolly. Okay. So, in the present, Link took the Goddess Sword from the sky, put it in a bunch of fire, it became the Master Sword. Yes. Oh, There was um, no other sword. As opposed to calling them uh, the past and the present, just for the sake of making it more clear, um, let's refer to it as the imprisoned timeline and the demise timeline. Okay. In the imprisoned timeline, Link took the goddess sword from the sky, put it in a bunch of fire, made it the master sword. There was no other sword in this timeline in the sealed temple. Right. Link went back to the demise timeline killed demise with it and left it back in the demise timeline where presumably there was also a goddess sword up in the sky yes so when link goes back to the imprisoned timeline the master sword is no longer in his hands right instead it's in the pedestal where he left it in the demise timeline yes even though Demise in this timeline has not been killed by the Master's Sword, but was instead destroyed by the Triforce. Yes. Yes. Okay. We're very clear and in agreement that that's what happened. Mm-hmm. So the question becomes, why is the Master's Sword here? It got shunted through time. I think that's probably the easiest explanation you can give, is that the Master Sword is the key that controls the flow of time. That's how it's established as a thing that functions in the plot in Ocarina of Time. The Master Sword literally cuts time, and it is linked to Link. So where he is, so too must it be. Okay, so the ma- is the placing down of the Master Sword in the Demise timeline in fact, what locks in the split? I think that it probably is. Oh, that's a good... That's pretty cool. In fact, I would go so far as to suggest that it is the presence of the goddess Hylia and the person of Zelda, and her moving between the two timelines and bringing the Master Sword with her through her personal temporal gravity that causes the permanent split in the timelines. Do you think it's a deliberate thing? I think that probably Hylia planned it on some level, yes, because that's what the Master Sword is for. So what I'm thinking is that Impa waves goodbye to these stupid kids, and then they step through the portal, and she turns around and the Master Sword just isn't fucking there anymore. Hmm. Wait, so there's not two swords in the in the Demise not timeline? Once, not once they leave, No. Because here's the other thing, we've kind of already established that the Master Sword was not extant at the time of Four Swords Adventures. Did we? Otherwise, you would have used the Master Sword to fight Vati and Ganon. But you had the Four Sword. Yeah, and Ganon ended up destroying it, and the Master Sword had to be forged to do battle with Ganon in the Imprisoning War. So the Master for- Sword that was forged there could it's be the, the Goddess Sword. Yes, it is the Goddess Sword. Oh, I thought what we had landed on was they just found the Master Sword. That's also another way to handle it. So, in that case, we're thinking that the Master Sword was lost here until it was rediscovered? Yeah, I think they just didn't know where it was if they even knew it existed. So, would you suggest then that the Goddess Sword is still extant? Uh, yeah, it is. Shit. One of th- One of the things that gets me about this, and one of the reasons that I think perhaps 
the Master Sword that we place in the ground here is not the same one that's used later in this timeline, is that Phi still speaks through the sword in Breath of the Wild. And that makes that's the true. most sense that makes the most sense to me if that sword is the one forged from the goddess sword that was left behind. Hmm. Okay, let's do it. Lock this in. The sword <laughs> went back to the future. Basically, yeah. And it's also possible there that this secondary sword, the secondary master sword, was forged more traditionally, like not using the fires of the goddesses and Link. I don't know. Well, that could have resulted in a slightly weaker master sword. You still need a hero to get the master sword going at all. Yeah. You need that's the power true. to repel evil. Like the master sword regardless of how we read it in the games that we've placed in the accursed timeline is still essentially the same weapon. You wouldn't say it's weaker? No. I would say that its strength is linked to the strength of the soul of the hero. Hmm. Okay. Which is why it's still mad busted even when you restore its full power in the trial of the sword. The master sword as portrayed in a link to the past is Perhaps the most powerful it's ever been. How do you mean? Because it is able to kill a Ganon that wields the full Triforce. That's true. It is definitely the Master Sword that's being used for that specific purpose. Hmm, okay. Though that might also be an explanation of why it's not quite as powerful in later appearances in that it's being used against the Triforce and it gets tired. And we're just going to ignore that bit at the end of Link to the Past where it says the Master Sword sleeps again forever. <laughs> Because that wasn't true. Sleeps again forever, huh? Isn't that what it says? Yes. It's kind of like what Fee says. That's almost exactly like what she says. Huh, okay, well. They really like saying that. They love saying it. Okay, so we've more or less come to the the conclusion that the Master Sword, when placed in the Demise timeline, pisses off into the Imprisoned timeline. Okay, I'm I'm willing to co-sign that. And the Demise timeline ends up becoming what we would call the Accursed timeline. Yes. Because where Demise made his curse. Yeah. Well, actually, that brings us to segment two. Okay, yeah, great. Demise. um, So, what do we we make of the fact that Demise's death in the past is like the one non-time-shift stone event that is not reflected in the present in any way? That's highly... (laughs) Do we just have to wave our hands and say the gods did it? (laughs) How else would you explain this? Do you have any thoughts, Crystal? Demise's residual consciousness is in the Master Sword. Sure. Which then gets transported to the Imprisoned Timeline. Yes. So it's in the Imprisoned Timeline now. Yes. Well, by the time Link shows up, I think the implication is supposed to be that uh, it's entirely gone as of the present. Okay. The curse was made... Well, the curse was made in a mysterious zone. Uh Uh-huh. That is perhaps the edge of time. Okay, perhaps it's the edge of time. Perhaps it's not. Pylia isn't there. Pylia's not there, it's true. She doesn't show up. Um, But I think the easiest way to read it is that the curse is made in the Demise section of the timeline, and that even if Demise himself is transported into a different section, the curse remains... The curse remains in the accursed timeline. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what's our reading of that curse? Is well, that Ganon I, returning over and over again? Okay, um, no. 
the way that I read the curse is that it manifests in the hatred, the grudge of the entirety of the demon people. And that is manifested in the form of the trident of power, which is wielded by Ganon. So he is effectively wielding the curse on his behalf. But I don't think that's actually the reason that Ganon keeps coming back. Is is the trident only in the accursed timeline? Yes. Yes. Oh, that's that's neat. Yeah, there's no other instances uh, outside of the games that we've placed in the accursed timeline where Ganon wields a trident, I think. Is it in Link to the no. Link's Awakening? Yes, but that's a dream. Okay. What were you saying, Crystal? Its last chronological appearance is in A Link Between Worlds. Yeah, yeah you're not wrong. Oh, we need to place that soon. Uh, yeah, uh, that'll be our next episode. We should do a bonus episode between now and Link Between Worlds to give ourselves a break. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what were you saying about how Ganon is resurrected? Okay, so I don't think that the curse provides the mechanics of Ganon's return throughout the Accursed Timeline. I got to thinking about how certain things in Breath of the Wild don't make sense when you look at the timelines as being separate, and what the main difference is between Ganon in the Accursed Timeline versus Ganon in all the others. And it's not so much the fact of the curse being there, though that's a good explanation for where Ganon comes from in that game. I think that the real answer to this question comes down to the wish that Ganon made on the Triforce. In A Link to the Past. In A Link to the Past, or the backstory of A Link to the Past. Because in A Link to the Past, Ganon's wish, as explained to you by the Triforce, is to control everything. And that wish manifests itself as holes between... That wish first makes the Sacred Realm into the Dark World. And then it starts to push between the fabric of separation between the dark world and the world of light, breaking through the seal of the seven sages, which is powered by the gods of the Triforce. So it's a really significant thing that he's managing to push through there. There is, I think, a tree who says that Ganon made his wish on the Triforce and that what he wished for was all of the cosmos. And when you speak to the Triforce at the end of the game, the Triforce tells you that the stronger the heart that makes the wish, the stronger the intent, the more powerful the expression of that wish. And the Triforce is plainly working against Ganon over the course of the game. You are helped by it, and it seems to be fulfilling his wish in a really roundabout way. Versus Link's wish, which poof, everything good happens. Everything good happened. But the thing is, Ganon's wish still exists, and it's the Triforce tells you that his wish was never fully granted. So what I'm thinking is that Ganon's wish to control everything was so profound and came from so deep within his heart that its expression was never stopped, and that Ganon is returned to life by the imprint that he made upon the very fabric of the world and that he will continue to return without fail forever until his wish is granted. And for that reason, the Triforce cannot be used to permanently destroy him, which is why he's not utterly and finally annihilated by it in Breath of the Wild or any of the other games where the people gather together the Triforce to, say, wish him away. He can't be wished away until his wish comes true. 
So this is the shape of the curse. It Did. provided the great hunger within Ganon's heart, such that when that made its print upon the Triforce, even the engine of creation could not immediately fulfill it. Even fighting against that wish, the engine of creation must, in the end, make it true. Even if that means bringing to heal the very realm of the gods, or bringing together all the different worlds that have been cloven apart by the Master's Sword. I'm suggesting that in Breath of the Wild, the timelines are merging, and that this is also an effect of Ganon's wish. Something says in, in Link to the Past that the Holder has to be alive. Does it? Doesn't it? I don't know. That's one of the things about this, though. The Triforce also tells you that Ganon has been fully and finally eradicated, mm -hmm. but that's not true. Yeah. Ganon does return. I'm willing to say that it could be wrong. What? The Triforce can be wrong? Yes. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I clearly think that's the case due to these things that I'm saying. But what do, you, what do you think of that idea that Ganon keeps returning because of his wish in Link to the Past and that the cycle, such as it is, exists because his wish is not yet fulfilled? That creates a very messed up future. Yes. What are your thoughts, Crystal? I'm, I'm into it. It's kind of cool, right? <laughs> I, I think yes, it de-emphasizes de the power of the curse itself and places the, the power of Ganon's eternal resurrection in the hands of the Triforce but it's catalyst in the curse. I think that this is also what the world would look like if Ganon had gained the entirety of the Triforce in Wind Waker or in Twilight Princess. Mm. That he would simply continue to return without ceasing. Well, it's nice that they shunted that all over to one timeline. Yes, I think. But then also, again, my reading of Breath of the Wild as a function of Ganon's wish and Link to the Past, also implies that all the timelines have been merged together. Well, Hylia tried her best. If yeah. only there was another game where that involved interaction between timelines. Oh, no. Um? Uh, tell her what you mean, Crystal, because that flew over Monica's head. Zelda Musso. Oh. 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 Yeah, now you got it. I got it. Yeah. Uh, can I return to not not getting it? No, you can't. That was a place of bliss. No, we're here now. Um, Crystal, remind me to get you the the YouTube video for the story of Zelda Musso, Hyrule Warriors in English. It's really something. Are there other elements of the time travel that we need to be talk about? Can we talk the about the? <laughs> <laughs> Is that where you were going to? No. Oh, bracelet. Yeah. Um. What would you like to say about the bracelet there, Crystal? Impa always has the bracelet in the imprisoned timeline. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Why? <laughs> oh. Is this the time shift stone that keeps her alive? Um, no, I don't think... No, I, I don't think so. I think that... Um, her necklace? I, no, I think that she's just like a really actualized person. Who lives for hundreds of years because she is a sage. She's the original sage. Oh, the original. Okay. But, um, yeah, Crystal, you're asking why she always has the bracelet. Yeah. Even though she gets it after Demise is murdered. And that isn't reflected in the time at all. Why it's is a time it shift different? stone. Why is it different? Um, it's it, a time shift stone. It could be different because that is an artifact of Hylia directly. Why do you keep calling it a time shift stone? It's not a time shift stone. It's kind of purpley. It's 
Okay, we're not having the goddamn blue versus purple argument for time shift stones because it has it it's it's got that mother of pearl surfacing on it and it strikes the ground and it doesn't send them all back into the past. Okay, here's my explanation. Oh no. Hylia made sure that Impa had it. Zelda just gave it to her. That's an explanation. She had it before she was given it. Okay, so she she never didn't have it. Right. Zelda just gave the beginning point to what was. Okay. Uh, but she made sure that she always didn't not have it until she had it, in which case the question of didn't not having it didn't matter. Is this an explanation? Yeah. It Crystal saying time fuckery from the goddess of time. Okay, okay. And this is, but the question would be, if she never didn't not have it, one, two, three, two. No, if she never didn't have it, and we got to the point where never did not, and we get into like four negatives... How does this tie into the placing of the Master Sword and the Death of Demise? Well, the Master Sword is Link's thing. That's, okay. that's from the pedestal of time. Okay, yeah. Yeah, you're not wrong. The bracelet, Impa had the bracelet because of Hylia, and Zelda just gave it to her. Zelda being Hylia. Right. And she, and Impa in the past talks about how she remembers the words given to her by the goddess, and Zelda also must remember those words because she has Hylia's memories. Doesn't remember Girahim. No. She does not remember Girahim showing up. Or maybe Girahim just needed to attack. Okay, so the real question here is why Impa has the bracelet, but she doesn't remember getting it. Yeah, that's a good question. Because she doesn't remember Girahim, but the bigger thing is that she doesn't remember Link killing Demise with a sword. She's very old. That is not an explanation. She remembers the things that Zelda, or and she says verbatim. Yeah, she remembers the things that Hylia told her. It never did happen. No, it never didn't happen. It never didn't happen? It never, um... It never did happen. Okay, that part never did happen. But she, she remembers She always it. had it, but she wasn't given it until she was. That part didn't happen, but she didn't remember it until it didn't happen. <laughs> this is This is some time fuckery. I mean, that's the best way I could think to describe it. She didn't remember it until it didn't happen. I got nothing. I don't know what... I think it's beneficial for us to lay out the timelines as they actually happen. Were we already trying to do that? Oh, you're wasting your Ultra Balls. We should... No, no, I mean, like, each timeline as a a person who is not time-traveling observes it. Oh, I see. Okay. Yes, 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 yes. Okay. So, uh, why don't you get into what you mean here? Okay. So, talking about the imprisoned... The imprisoned timeline, which is the timeline that we play through as... Let's start with the demise one. Oh. Okay, that one's more complicated. Okay, no, okay, fine. The imprisoned one. So, demise remains alive... He doesn't die. He remains sealed. Yep. Then the events of Skyward Sword happen. Yep. Then the imprisoned is killed by the Triforce. Yep. Um, Hylia's bracelet persists, but the Master Sword pops in. Yep. Um, the Triforce, I suppose, is guarded over by Zelda, but then at some point is sealed into the Sacred Realm. Or maybe it builds the Sacred Realm around itself. Maybe. Well, but I mean, she is, rate, the, she is the goddess. She could make that. What's the next game that happens along that timeline? Is it Ocarina? It's Ocarina of okay. Time. Okay, so it's in the sacred realm. Yes. At that point. A kingdom rises up on the ground. Yes. Right, because Rauru sealed the sacred realm. 
God. Gapora. Gapora. No, it was Zelda. Come on. Zelda. This Zelda? This yeah, it's probably this Zelda. Okay. Sure. I mean, if you were Hylia, you wouldn't leave it to your grandkids to do this shit. You'd do it yourself. Fair. Okay. So, so that that all seems pretty straightforward. That's the imprisoned timeline. Okay, and then in the demise timeline, the cursed timeline, um, demise is killed in the past. Yes, right after Skyloft is sent into the sky. Um, and he makes his curse. He makes the curse on the land and the people and time. Skyward Sword does not happen. There's no reason for it to happen. Yep. There's no link. There's no link. There may be a Zelda there. Uh-huh, we'll get to that in a minute. Um, Impa watches over the um, Master Sword and maybe uh, Triforce. She claims to watch over the Triforce, so I can only assume that she watches over... Maybe that means she's watching over Skyloft. That makes sense. Um, at some point, the royal family establishes itself in Hyrule. Using the Triforce. Yeah, and they come into control of the Triforce. Which is sort of the backstory to the ending of... Four Swords Adventures. The Goddess Sword still exists, and I suppose is made into the Master Sword. To fight Ganon. To fight Ganon. Yeah, I think that all fits. Hey, Crystal, um, tell me if this is on your list of things. Um, Zelda. There's two Zeldas. Yes, that was on my list of things. <laughs> okay, yeah, because I was thinking about this as Monica was playing through Skyward Sword, and thinking about it made me wonder, um... Is that Zelda back there, since there's nothing for her to seal, does she just wake up, or is she shunted into the imprisoned timeline? Do you remember the legend of the sleeping Zelda? (laughs) Oh, no. That just occurred to me, too. Okay, go on. Well, that story was, that was just a local legend. Actually, they just, like, didn't know what to do with her. It's like, um, let's put her into the North Castle, I guess. And then a, a, and whole rumor, <laughs> a whole rumor <laughs> cropped up about this evil prince. Oh, so the, the, oh man. Okay. So this is getting into real tragic shoujo bullshit. But so you're saying that the Link who wakes up Zelda in Adventure of Link wakes up the same woman who asked Link to wake her up in Skyward Sword. Aw, yeah. that's really sweet. But she wakes up in a world where everyone she knows is gone. Yeah. That's really sad. And she's the goddess Hylia. And she, Link wakes up the goddess Hylia. And furthermore, it is not until the post-Zelda 2 monarchy that the monarchy does actually contain the bloodline of the goddess. Well, okay. And that would also make sense why, if this Zelda ascends, why the voice of Hylia would return for Breath of the Wild. Okay. Yes. And why the cult of Hylia would develop. Oh, my oh, God. what? Okay. You know what? I wanted to dismiss this idea out of hand, but Crystal, this shit this really- This is really good. This works. This is good. And so the the royal family at the time has no connection to Hylia. No. They just have the Triforce. But they just named their, their daughters Hylia after... Zelda. Uh, sorry, uh, Zelda after the, the whole... Because Impa would explain that right. to them. Wait, does that imply that the Impa who guides Link in Adventure of Link could be the same woman who says that she will watch over the sleeping Zelda in Skyward Sword? 
actually, yeah, if she can live for three thousand years in the yeah. other time, okay, yeah, that there's no reason that wouldn't work. But this does create one problem: Zelda wakes up when the imprisoned is destroyed because there is no more need for her power to keep it sealed. So why does she continue to sleep? An instinctive knowledge that something unplanned has gone on. Is that a manifestation of the curse? Okay, the other question is, why is Zelda's blood and the power inherent to her, the light force, still so important in the Vati games? Ah, oh, that's true. She doesn't have the light force. Ah, uh. I mean, we might be able to finagle this. I do really like the idea. Mm. 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 We might we might have to put a pin in this one and come back to it, see if we can finagle it's that into working. It's still I, theoretically possible that there could be a Zelda that is born on Skyloft. That, okay. Yeah, that's true too. Okay, yeah. They just never awaken into the full powers of Hylia. Yeah, they still become the monarch in one way or another. Right. Become the sp- Impa finds Impa, that girl and tells her. Impa recognizes her as the spirit maiden. Whoa. Hey, you want to read a line from the encyclopedia? Um, sure. The true master sword, blessed by the goddess Hylia and Skyward Sword, possesses the light force that is the source of all life in the world. Come again? Where's that happen? That's from the Zelda Encyclopedia, page 82. Okay, so the light force that is the source of all life in the world. What? Okay. It's in, it's in the, you know. So Citation this, needed. This is an open rejection of the idea of Faror as the creator of life, which is fine, but it's really not what I expected out of uh, Nintendo-backed documents. So Hylia is the creator of all life? How do you read that, Crystal? I it's there's a lot of layers. Like, yeah, the source <laughs> of all life, the life force being in the master sword. I, there's a lot. This is this yeah. might be too much. Do we do we just look at that and go, that's nonsense? Right, that's that's NOA canon. I think it's also NOJ canon. Because all of these books were translated from the Japanese, I think. The Scenario that I had meant to bring up before the idea of the sleeping Zelda awakening thousands of years later was the possibility of Zelda and Link and Groose leaving and then the other Zelda just waking up because Demise is gone and it's just her and Impa in this place and she's left in a timeline completely adrift from everyone else. That's lonely. That's like adult Zelda Ocarina of Time lonely. I mean... She could use the gate of time if she really wanted to. But there's no place for her there either. So I'm see- as I'm seeing it, there's two possibilities here. One is that the placement of the Master Sword anchoring the power of Hylia brings the sleeping Zelda into the imprisoned timeline where she was supposed to be in the first place. And so merges them together? Merges them together. Hmm. The other one is that she wakes up in the past, and she is alone there. Either immediately thereafter or at, during the events of Adventure of Link. Yes. That's like, oh, eh, that's fucked up. It's fucked up levels of tragic, I think. But you love that. Uh, yeah, I love it, but also I don't want that to happen to this poor child. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no, I think that might have happened. It, I may, oh. Hylia's planning so that she will be in both timelines. Oh, no. That seems like something very benevolent. Oh, okay. Because she has to be there. 
She does, yeah. We don't have we don't have to have an exact answer to this by the end of this episode. We'll try and figure it out in time for the timeline episode. Oh, the timeline episode is going to take some real planning. We're going to have to start sketching out our ideas for it now, but every time we talk about this damn series, we end up with a completely different understanding of how everything works. Um, Maybe Zelda woke up because Demise was dead, started the kingdom, then she was like, I, 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 I cannot bear to live in this world. I will put myself back to sleep. You know what? Why not? Sure. That works. Or there could be like a partial truth with the whole prince thing. True. She could also confer her power onto another. That's a thing gods can do. Yeah. But I mean to say that there could have been some part of the royal family that was like, give me the full Triforce. And she's like, no. And then some sort of fuckery happens. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, there is definitely space in the narrative for this Zelda to be the same Zelda who is woken up in Adventure of Link. The problem was there was no Link when she woke up. Yeah. And she only wants to wake up when she can wake up to the face of a Link. Yeah. I like that. Of course you Of do. course I like that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I think that's a good enough explanation for right now. I don't know... Hmm. I don't know if I sign off on it 100%, but I like the tragedy of it so much that I might just stick with it anyway. Yeah. That timeline is fucked up levels of sad. The Accursed Timeline sucks. Delicious. Yeah. That is why Link was prophesized to be the great king. Because he would marry the goddess herself. Yeah, I guess that does take care of any succession arguments. Yep. If It's not just your great, great, great to the nth degree grandma who shows up. She is literally the goddess incarnate who stands watch over the Triforce from outside of time. Yeah, okay, she can be the ruler of the land. Good job, team. Yeah, okay. We did it. I'll, I'll sign off on this for right now. The Light Force is Ferori. Not signing off on that one. No. No, we're not doing that one. What else is on the list, Crystal? Um, That's the list that I made. Okay, you know what? I think that covers the most important parts of what in the ending of Skyward Sword. I love this game to bits, but that that ending is... A mess. As written, it is almost nonsense. But, you know, we're not here to take things as they're intended. We're here to take things as they are. The ending to Ocarina of Time confused people until... Oh, Ocarina of Time's ending is absolutely clean compared to this shit. I know, but it was really with the whole timeline thing that made it make sense. Yeah. Absolutely, but like you could still read that just from the ending. Time is undone. You get your past back, which means that there must have been a timeline split. And that's also incidentally how I read this game. It's mm-hmm. it's not as clean as Ocarina of Time is, but I think that reading a timeline split into the ending fixes a lot of its problems and, and makes a lot more of the series make better sense. Is that it for our discussion? I think so. I think we've finally reached the end of Skyward Sword. Part 9. Of 5. Of 5. It's done. They formed the Kingdom of Grooseland. They formed the Kingdom of Grooseland. The Legend of Groose. Wait, does that mean that Groose never existed in the Accursed Timeline and he's only in the uh, Imprisoned Timeline? Yeah. Oh, that's sad. (laughs) Everyone should get to have a Groose in their timeline. Where can people send us questions? You can send questions to the podcast email, bookofmedorapodcast at gmail.com. Jasmine asks, 
How'd you like the Cube, the movie style Final Dungeon? I've never seen the Cube. The Cube? Uh, Cube is a movie where a bunch of people are trapped in a cube, but it's like you know, it's like a metaphysical cube. There's all sorts of weird space time stuff. Is is it modular? Y- yes. <laughs> all right. How did we like that Final Dungeon? It's good. I'm not good with slidey block puzzles. It's true, you're not. I really did badly with that. You're good at slidey block puzzles that are like, you have to look at things from above, and you push it along the ice. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, that's fine. But this thing where you have to move it around to make a picture. Yeah. That's fucked those. up. Those. I'm not good. No, piss on those. And like, I tried to like make shortcuts or whatever, but they stick a, a locked door along the way or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ugh. I really love it. It's challenging, and it brings together all the different really good dungeon themes from throughout the rest of the game. And it's got that, on top of the nice music, it makes you reuse all of your mechanics in a cool way. It feels almost like the special dungeon that you get at the end of the Breath of the Wild DLC, which is also good in a similar way. Hmm. But yeah, it's really great. I, I, I think you could make an argument for it being one of the better final dungeons in the series. I'm not going to say the best because I have a very deep affection for Low Rule Castle from Link Between Worlds and High Rule Castle from Breath of the Wild, but as these dungeons go, it's up there. It just definitely feels very mystical. Yeah. It's got magic bullshit all up in it. And you get the Triforce. You get the dang old Triforce. And you get just the fact of getting the Triforce does give it a lot of extra points. It does. Mm-hmm. Mothy asks, question, what is up with Gerudo dragonflies? There is no Gerudo desert, despite most of the bugs being named after locations, and seemingly no Gerudo people in the game. What correlation do you think is here? (laughs) That's a good observation. It's a good observation, but I think Crystal actually has an answer for this. So there are two enemies from classic Zelda games, the Geld Arm and the Geld Man which in Japanese are written Gerudo Amu and Gerudo Man, with the same characters as Gerudo. This was a crazy discovery. (laughs) So it seems to me that the Gerudo, as an Ocarina of Time, were kind of like the Zora, and that they were intended to be uh, adaptations of classic monsters from Zelda, but this time made into peoples. That is an interesting way to take it. So then do we take Gerudo as a root word in the Zelda setting, as referring to the desert? Perhaps. So Gerudo dragonflies would just be desert dragonflies. The Laneru Gerudo. Let's be real here. They're named Gerudo dragonflies because there were those dragonflies in Twilight Princess. There weren't Also, a- the Gerudo could be bug people. Oh, no. Just like you theorize that they could be sand people? Right, because the Geldmans are Actually, I'm going to go back. I'm going to go back and rethink the words that I just said, because that doesn't sound good. Because the Geldmans are people made of sand, and the Geldarms are bugs. Yeah. So the Grudo are sand bug people. They're Gorons, because sand is soft rocks. Yeah. Yeah. You thought I forgot, but I didn't. <laughs> That's one of my favorite lines. Yeah. That uh, all the female Gorons are Gerudo, and they're made of soft rocks, because that's what sand is. Crystal. (laughs) Yeah. You say that like it's ridiculous. 
I'm not. I, I don't think that it's ridiculous in the context of the conversations that we've been having about this. I do like the idea of Gerudo as the root word for uh, desert or sand that is adopted by the people who live in the largest desert region of Hyrule. Yes. Though also that has a kind of a weird connotation to it. Desert people? Yeah, that they would be named that. The people of the desert. Yeah. Okay, no, I, I, you know what? It's fine. Geld... Let's say geld means sands and udo means people. Sure. Sure. I mean, that works for English, but they are definitely the same characters. So I guess I, I guess that's what I think the correlation is. They're just desert dragonflies or sand dragonflies, if you will. And they are described as being... They have an appearance as if parts of them were made of glass. And glass is made of silicates like sand. And that's it. You still remember the description. Yeah, of course. It's very pretty. It's very pretty, and it has eyes that look like they're made of glass. Or wings. It could be either. I don't remember it that specifically. You read this one. Mafi writes, The way I saw the Silent Realm is that it's a spiritual realm that exists everywhere, but usually cannot be accessed. So from that perspective, it's all happening in Link's mind, but it's not just in Link's mind. That's how I think Halia hid the Triforce there. So it's like a parallel dimension of being that link can only access through specific means okay i mean that makes sense what do you think of this crystal i think it's link's mind you think that the whole thing is built from link's mind i think everyone has their own silent realm and perhaps there is somewhat of a a network made of the collective unconscious but i think link got the triforce from the fire and then he just had to unlock it okay that makes sense sure why not but any of these readings makes a good amount of sense because the game doesn't go in very hard on exactly what they are. And it doesn't really need to, but it does give us a lot of room for interpretation as we like. And we do like. We do like to interpret. Email time. Emails. Emails. We do love emails. Whose turn is it? I think it's Crystal's turn. Daniel Stevens writes in, Since Crystal asked about the opinions on the demon tribe vis-a-vis Termina, my personal opinion is that they're just a generic name covering most of the monsters you see. Bokoblins, Moblins, some bosses, etc. This is mostly based on a line that got changed in localizing the Wind Waker, the NOA line, Foolish Child. While that sword is indeed the Blade of Evil's Bane, at the same time, it has long played another role. You see, it is also a sort of key, a most wretched little key, that has kept the seal on me and my magic intact and the translation of the Japanese via internet user Jason Solo 6 <laughs> That sword is the anti-demon sword that repels demons. I guess it would. However, it is also the annoying seal that was sealing my demon tribe. Demon tribe here being Mazoku, the same as in Skyward Sword. Note that Ganondorf is the demon king, Mao. Compare also with Bowser being the great demon king, Dai Mao which is also the title Ganon with two N's had. It was localized as Prince of Darkness, which is probably appropriate. So, in other words, there probably are some of the demon tribe native to Termina, but they're just Dinolfos and Wizrobes and stuff. And the bosses, probably. It's a bit of a boring explanation, but I feel like it probably checks all the boxes for plausibility. Demon tribe is just a fancy term for monsters, and probably covers most of the stuff that respawns with the Blood Moon in Breath of the Wild. Cheers, Daniel. Thanks, Daniel. Yeah, thanks, Daniel. Crystal, what do you take of this? 
I think that's a very plausible explanation. Yeah, I, I think that it fits pretty well, especially with latter-day depictions of Bacoblins and Moblins being a lot more like Oni. The idea that the demon kings that we deal with being especially powerful monsters does make a certain amount of sense. Or rather, maybe they're the guardian gods of these monsters, because monsters must have gods too. I think that this doesn't even interfere with the whole um, shadow people. <laughs> no, not at all. The Twily? Yes, the Twily. Because I, a group of monsters sealed up could over time... Chill out. Yes, chill out. Yeah, I do not think this precludes the uh, existence of some more organized demon tribe in ancient times. Oh, but there is Batro. Batro is uh, a demon. Yes. <laughs> a very demonic looking demon. That's true. I wonder what character is used for how... Batro describes himself in Japanese. Would it be Ma? Hmm. That's an interesting question, and one that I am not prepared to do the research to answer. But yes, it's not just Bacoblins and Moblins, though. It's describing all of the monsters. Because you could just e as easily describe Batro as a monster. I think that they, in English, described Batro as a demon to differentiate him from monsters, because monsters are things that you kill. Link was ready to kill. Link was ready to kill Batro, it's true. Maybe Ganondorf is just saying, like, you know, th this is my demon tribe. Yeah, I could make a certain... And Demise, Demise might have drawn a distinction between demons and monsters, but for Ganon, this is all he's got. Also, Ganon may actually not care about the distinction between demons and monsters. All are subservient to him. Yes, Ganon's Demise is, after all, the source of all monsters. Ganon's a dick. He didn't care about his other people. No. Those yeah, that, had the audacity to rebel against him, partially. Yeah, um, yeah, that's interesting. Describing Demise as the source of all monsters would imply that Demise would also... If they are the same as demons, that would imply that Demise is also the source of all demons. And I don't know if that tracks with the way that demons are depicted in the story of Skyward Sword. There may still be some difference between the two ideas. Or we may be reading the source of monsters incorrectly. But the monsters do go away when Demise dies. So, got nothing. I'm trying to find the Japanese description of Demise. Okay. While you're doing that, I'm going to think for a second. Because monsters seem to have disappeared from the surface at the end of Skyward Sword. That's generally a thing that looks like it happened, right? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. uh, but the monsters don't disappear when... Demise is utterly destroyed by the Triforce. Right. We that, know that concretely. We know that concretely because we can run around and still fight them. They only disappear when Demise is destroyed by the Master Sword in the Accursed Timeline. So what the fuck? Maybe... Perhaps Link is the hero of men and sealed them all in the bound chest. Maybe. <laughs> that, sure, that seems possible. The hero who seals them in the bound chest does seem like they would probably probably be that same Link reborn in a different timeline. Or born in a different timeline rather than reborn. Hmm. I mean, that's all that he does. Okay, so the Japanese line is a totally overwhelming existence, which has overcome time itself and is the origin of the ever-so-present demons. Interesting. So it is basically describing Demise, or rather Phi is describing Demise, as the true primordial evil. Or maybe Source is being used more metaphorically, like 
this conqueror is the source of this invading force. That might work. That could work as a reading. Though describing Demise as the personification of primordial darkness also seems like it would be in keeping with how he's framed throughout the story. But that also brings up problems because Demise straight up is not as bad as Ganon is. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's an interesting reading there, Daniel. That's got, that's going to give us some thinkings for a bit. Next question. Okay. Um, Joseph writes in, Think of the tune from the flute from the Hyrule Fantasy and Super Mario Brothers 3. Hum it, recognize it, get it stuck in your head. I'll put in a little clip here. Now play the Ocarina of Time title theme. Love your podcast. Your episode of the art cartoon had me laughing so much. It was very enjoyable. Keep it up. Looking forward to the Breath of the Wild cover. Yeah. Thank, yeah, thank you, Joseph. That was very kind. I'm glad somebody enjoyed the cartoon episode. <laughs> oh, lots of people ended up enjoying the cartoon episode, really? actually. Oh, yeah, good. absolutely. Everyone agreed that our reading of the canon in that cartoon is the only way to make it palatable. Okay. 13 episodes <laughs> endured. Yeah. I do like how those songs are the same. Yes. It's a very nice musical callback that I... I can't believe we fucking recapped all 13 episodes. We did. We super did. I was not expecting to do that. Uh, you weren't? What did you think was going to happen? I thought it was going to be a more general overview. <laughs> no. How could you possibly capture the texture if you don't go into the bullshit? How could we possibly cover all of the, f- the firsts that the cartoon did? Ugh. There were a lot of firsts. Um... Yeah, that, that's a really nice musical callback that I didn't catch for years and years. Do you think there's any significance to it? No, it's just a musical callback. We are being transported. This is a this is a sort of thing. Once you notice it, you can't not notice it. But we yeah. are being transported by Whirlwind into the realm of Hyrule. Yeah, okay. Where we will play this awesome game. I like it. It's a good song. You don't think perhaps Mario heard it while he was dreaming. And that's why he plays it on the flute? Right, because Mario Brothers 2 is the dream that he has to process the trauma of Super Mario Brothers 1. And then Mario 3 is the play he puts on to sort of express his interiority. What an interesting. Mario's interest- quite an artiste here. Well, I mean, yeah, that's fine. People, I, I know, people, I'm not complaining. People process their shit in different ways. Uh, Chris, uh, Monica, you might want to handle this next email from Tim. Title. Book of Majora in your face. Tim writes, How would you feel about the possibility of doing an episode live at some convention or another? Oh, in your face that way. Yes. What do you think about this, Crystal? I would like to do that. We've talked about it a little bit before. The idea of doing um, not so much a live episode, but a, like an, a panel about the Zelda timeline. That would be a lot of fun. Let's explain the Zelda timeline. It's something like that. That would, if somebody read that description and then came, I think they would be very confused. Well, I mean, it's, or it's like the truth of the Zelda timeline. Yes. What Nintendo doesn't want you to know. <laughs> what they don't, don't want you to know. Don't trust Reggie's lies. Don't trust Reggie's lies. 
Crystal, I still can't believe that Reggie couldn't be bothered to hit one extra keystroke to order good writing for Breath of the Wild instead of bad. Yeah, do you remember the time when the employees of Nintendo were like, please, Reggie, let us hire good voice actors? And it was like, no, I'm ordering you to have bad voice actors. Getting good voice actors would be too much effort for me personally, Reggie fils This, I, I'm out of touch with this discussion. Oh, uh, the idea that um, things are the way they are in Breath of the Wild out of laziness. Oh. This is a reference to the Arlo YouTube men criticism of breath of the wild story i see yes it comes back to me now i wasn't gonna blow my boy up quite like that but now we have yeah Mm. i'm gonna start i'll start beef with arlo (laughs) oh no there's there's nothing wrong with the voices arlo's crowd is way too big for us to fuck with with regards to this crystal the art the voice direction is how he didn't even fucking say anything somewhat at issue he's he's the popular criticsman yeah he didn't make a criticism. Well, I mean, he's got a—he's up to four parts for his video review of Breath of the Wild. You said this is bad because it's bad. And lazy. And they should have made it good. Yeah. But they were too lazy to. But he didn't say why it was bad. Uh, you're not wrong. That, that... Like, you, you, the, listen. Breath of the Wild, plenty of problems. Plenty of stuff to criticize. Yeah, that there it does have things. Look at this image of Reggie fils and uh, Gabe Newell mixed together. Ooh, I don't like that. <laughs> I don't like that at all. Um, but that was not as heinous as his assertion that Breath of the Wild would be a lot better with level-ups. Oh, okay. It kind of has them. Yeah, but... But no, like, experience points and level-ups. I'll link you to that video a little bit later, Crystal. It's part four of the seven or eight part to be clear we love arlo arlo is one of our favorite youtubesmen but his take on criticism sometimes doesn't match his enthusiasm bless his heart bless his heart um yeah no i wish that rezzy had said that they were allowed to work hard instead of being lazy (laughs) we'll get you one of these days reggie have you heard the take that made Austin Walker immediately go to sleep? I have, but Monica hasn't. Please explain. I don't, I, I, there are layers to the specific wording that I do not feel equipped to summarize. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll show Monica that after we're finished recording. Okay. Or do you want to do this shit on air? Let's, let's do it on air if you have it. I don't, and I wouldn't be able to feed it into the thing regardless. I guess I could splice it in, but no, I don't have it. So we'll show it to her afterward. But yeah, we like the idea of doing a panel. There's just like spatial considerations because Monica and I live in Toronto and Crystal lives not in Canada. Whoa. Yeah. We could find one that works out for everyone. Yeah, in theory. In theory. One of them paxes. Maybe one of them paxes. It doesn't take a lot of uh, credentials to get a panel at the paxes. Okay. It really doesn't. <laughs> what kind of panel would you want it to be, Crystal? Is it just a timeline panel or? I don't know. I guess a timeline panel would work. Discussion about the role of fan works in reading the timeline? 
Nah, that's not, that'd be good. That That's actually something that I would want. If we did a timeline discussion, I would want that rolled into it. How important it is to interpret the games on your own and not to just take Nintendo Word as the only canon. Like, yeah. the, the role of fan work and how timelines themselves are fan works. They're not just curative fan works. They're also transformative. There's a little bit of fanfic in every timeline. Yeah. Maybe maybe like some, some audience participation. Hell yeah, that'd be fun. We'd have to do a lot of planning, though. Yeah. That's what we're good at. We, yeah, that's true. We are good at planning. Let's see. We also have a letter coming in from Leah. Crystal, do you want to handle this one, or is it my turn? I'll handle it. Okay. Hey there, Madorans. Is that an acceptable group name for you all? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. I was curious as to what sparked your interest in Zelda lore. For me, it was my A Link to the Past player's guide, which I still keep on my shelf to this day. I'm not sure how much of the lore within was made up by Nintendo of America or was translated from another source, but nonetheless, it sparked my imagination. What got me hooked was how it was formatted similarly to the Earthbound player's guide, reading as a historical recount of Link's adventures. It would talk about locations, items, and Hillian culture as if historians had studied them, making the guide sound like a historical textbook. Also, what are Demise and Ganondorf... Also, are Demise and Ganondorf a King Piccolo slash Piccolo Jr. situation? Does Ganondorf retain any shred of Demise within him, including memories? Was Ganondorf born into the Gerudo, knowing he had a mission to wipe out the reincarnations of Hylia and her chosen hero from the Earth? Or was Ganondorf just born as a particularly mean Gerudo? Is Demise the big boss of the series? And all of the villains that were created through his cycle of hatred, the Les Enfants Terribles. <laughs> all media is the same, is what I'm saying. Thank you for these five glorious episodes of Skyward Sword and making absolutely no more than that. <laughs> rock on, rock on, Leah. Wow, thanks, Leah. Thank you, Leah. Thank you, Leah. That's a lot of questions to unpack. Let's go bit by bit. So, Crystal, what sparked your interest in Zelda lore? I played Majora's Mask in the dentist's office. <laughs> oh, that's really good. That got you into the series? Yeah. Oh, my dentist's office had Mario Tennis. My dentist's office had nothing but dentistry. Well, in the States, you had to, like, advertise your shit and have somewhere for the kids to chill out. Well, dental stuff isn't covered here under OHIP, so... yeah. They could have done something to advertise. Oh, uh, well, then they suck. The in, I feel like the N64 at your dentist's office was a very of-its-time thing, but, <laughs> man, that was really something. So it was just the fact of playing Majora's Mask that got you into the lore of the series, Crystal? Did you start exploring the rest of it afterward? Yeah, then I got the Ocarina of Time and... Uh, a Link to the Past for the Game Boy Advance, and Zelda 2 for the Game Boy Advance. And I went on the Zelda Universe forums and read about timeline theories. Oh, Ugh. that must have been interesting. What year was this? This would have been the early 2000s. Oh, so this would have been right about when Wind Waker came out and the timeline discussions were getting well and truly mad. Yes. Cam, what sparked your interest in Zelda lore? Um... Actually, why don't you tell this first, because I, I have to arrange my thoughts a little bit. Okay. Ocarina of Time was one of the first video games I played. Mm-hmm. I love reading into things. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
I don't know. It there just seems like a lot to explore in that world. And it, I suppose I also went online and found message boards. Yeah. I was interested in Zelda lore, but most of it seemed very straightforward to me. Right. Like, I was not one of those people arguing about multiple versus single link theory. It was very obviously multiple. You did participate in those I participated arguments. somewhat to correct things and because it, they for, were wrong. For you, it was correction. Yes. This is how Monica and I met these <laughs> specific discussions. You you were fine. Yeah. Good. You you really dug in to argue with people. Oh, hell yeah. I would argue nonstop with motherfuckers for days straight because I was like 13 or something. The way that I got into Zelda lore was also through Ocarina of Time because I was 10 going on 11 when the game came out. And that's the perfect age to play a video game that's like that and just get completely fucked up by it. Like, it changes the way that you view how video games can work and how storytelling in those games can work. And when I first got into it, it sort of happened by accident because I was just looking for a place to talk about the game, not necessarily the lore. And people beating up other people. Yeah, that was definitely a thing. that I I mean, what what do we want from me? (laughs) And, um... So I got into those discussions, and finding out about the stories of the games, this was back before Majora's Mask came out, at least a little bit, um, finding about the stories of the older games strictly through how they relate, were related on bulletin boards was very interesting, but gave me a very skewed idea of how the lore in The Legend of Zelda worked. So I was only working with first-hand knowledge of like Wind Waker, Majora's Mask, and Ocarina of Time with a little bit of the Oracles games until I bought a Super Nintendo in, like, 2004. And then I played Link to the Past. But, um, yeah, that's that's how I got started. A big part of it is actually down to Monica because the discussions that I was in were only tangentially related to the idea of Zelda lore as a connected canon. And... I was talking to her about something, and I think that she directed my attention to a discussion about how there were people who thought that Link from Ocarina of Time was the same person as Link from Link to the Past. Oh uh, yeah, there. I was going to say, some people read Ocarina of Time as just a straight-up retelling of Link to the Past. No, no, no. Not just a remake, like, but just like, this is the same Link. That's that's not quite what I meant. Oh, and that Link to the Past would have come after oh, Ocarina yeah, of Time. Oh, yeah, there's those people, too. Yes, I'm talking about the actual single Link theorists. Okay. And that she basically pulled me into those arguments, and that's how I got invested in the lore in the first place. I didn't realize I did that to you. You totally did. I'm sorry? You shouldn't be. <laughs> I'm it, not sorry. It, it led us down a lot of interesting paths. I do like... I remember when I was a child, there, there were a couple things I didn't understand about the nature of fiction. One was the idea that... There were old video games that didn't really have stories. Yeah. Like, I was convinced that Zelda 1 had a story as deep and complex Ocarina of Time. It's just that no one would post it on the internet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and two, I didn't... I understood the idea that, oh, a, a kid could just make something up and that's not true. But I thought, like, if someone went through the trouble of writing a whole thing or drawing a whole thing then it must be canon. <laughs> right, because, like, if it weren't canon, you would know. It, it would just have a quality that would reveal itself to you. Oh. Right. For me, with, with old games without much story in them, like, I would really, really, really read into manuals. Like, the Strider manual. 
Well, yeah. I would really, really read that and imagine different parts from that world and so on. It was really ridiculous. But, you know, like the greatest part of fan work. That was kind of the standard at the time. Yeah. Crystal, with regards to the specific story that you're sort of alluding to, does this mean that you had a very different idea of how the lore of the first game worked when you were younger? I just didn't understand what happened in it. Oh, okay. Because nobody would give it to you straight. Well, I mean, they would, but I just wouldn't believe them. It's like, there must be more. Yeah. Surely. And that's when you get started in on reading the fan fiction. Right. Yeah, I didn't and quite... And wild interpretations of things. Yeah. I didn't quite get it either. Like, a novelization of the original Legend of Zelda would have been more useful to me than somebody just summarizing the game. And that was definitely a thing back then. People probably don't novelize the original game very much nowadays. Are Demise and Ganondorf a King Piccolo slash Piccolo Jr. situation? You'll have to explain this one to me. King... Okay. Oh, Lord. Before King Piccolo, there was the Nameless Namekian, who okay. crash-landed on planet Earth from Namek. And the Nameless Namekian wanted to become the god of Earth. Mm-hmm. But he ha- he couldn't do so because there were good parts and bad parts to him. So the previous god of Earth was like, you gotta be pure good to be the next god. Uh, so the Nameless Namekian separated the evil parts of himself. And the evil part was King Piccolo. And the good part was Kami. Oh, Okay. And then King Piccolo got sealed away by Master Roshi's master, whose name I forget, Uh using the demon sealing wave. Uh, Then many years later, he woke up and Goku fought him and killed him. But King Piccolo, as he was dying, spit out an egg that contained Piccolo Jr., who would later just be known as Piccolo of Dragon Ball Z. Is that how Namekians reproduce? Yes. Uh Uh-huh. Oh, okay. They vomit eggs. Um, The crystal one... Bravo for including enough details to a very simple story to make it deeply confusing. (laughs) But I think one part that you've left out is that since Piccolo Jr. isn't actually born until uh, the Demon King Piccolo is dead, he's treated as something of a reincarnation of that character. Oh. Yes, much like Bibbidi and Bobbidi. Yes, much like Bibbidi and Bobbidi. Uh, She's doing the thing again. Um, but sim- Bibbidi, fa- father of Bobbidi, father of Boo. I don't think Ganondorf retains any shred of demise. Phi eight demise, or the or the Triforce utterly annihilated demise. Rather, the memories part. No, I don't think that any part demise did not reincarnate. There's nothing to reincarnate. He's gone. He's gone forever. The curse remains, the grudge remains, but Demise himself is not there. Ganondorf has no memory of Demise. He's just an asshole. He would be very upset if he was derivative of someone else, and I think would kill that thing. I am on the... Yeah, absolutely. He would travel back in time to kill Demise for himself. I think that in a lot of ways, the story of Demise as an explanation for where Ganondorf came from, is that particular kind of prelude story that I hate the most, which is an explanation we don't need. Like, seeing Ganon's origin in Ocarina of Time, that's fine. We get to see where Ganon came from. Cool. Finding out that Ganon is in some way derived from this character that we had no idea existed 
before this one game isn't actually all that fucking cool, and I don't know that it really enriches our understanding of that character. In fact, in some ways, it just shunts it down into this little box of reduced understanding. Ganondorf Mandragmire had no connection to Demise until he claimed the Triforce and absorbed the curse into his heart. I thought that he had no connection to Demise until he took the power trident and absorbed the curse into himself. But yes, regardless, that is when it came to be. He took the curse into himself, and that is a... Oh, did I say something else? Did I say Triforce instead of Trident? Yes. Okay, sorry. They both start with Tri. They do, and they both have two syllables. So you can't be blamed. But yeah, like, he... But we, we, as a group of three are in general agreement that Ganondorf is not in any meaningful way a reincarnation of Demise. Right? Yes. Yeah. Okay, cool. Glad we're all on the same page here. Now the demon train, though. Yeah, what's up with that demon train? It's just a train. Just a train that happens to look like the most evil face that the demons could draw, who just happens to be Ganondorf. that's very rad. It's like how in Greek times... The, the greatest Olympic champions would be chosen as models for the sculptures of the gods. Oh, is that how it worked? Yeah. That makes sense. That's pretty cool. And Ganondorf was that. It's like, damn, this, this guy this guy is what a demon looks like. This guy, this... Wait, wait. Our, in the Zelda parlance, which is at best very messy, would you call Gerudo's humans? I wouldn't, but you could. Okay. Human is used so loosely. Okay, so you instead would say, this man is the very image of a demon. Yes. Yeah, that works for me. So I would use human to refer only to round-eared humanoids. So I would say that, no, Ganondorf and Vati and Maladus and Bellum are not les enfants terribles. Agreed. Though that is a good thematic connection, I guess. I, but I, this is something that I've avoided talking about over the course of the entire podcast. But as much as I love Skyward Sword, it's one of my very favorite games ever made. I can't help looking at it and going, there's a massive part of this that is a story that didn't need to be fucking told. And it gets me every time I play through it. It's like, ugh. That's what happens if you stick a game earlier and earlier. That's not even really the problem because it could have been disconnected utterly. It didn't have to end with Demise going like, This is the form of the cycle that will happen in the future. It'd be really funny if there was another game set even earlier and there was another curse. And and you go back even further and it's just Ganon again? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, see, I'd be fine with that. Just give me more... I like Ganon as the eternal adversary. It doesn't need to be anything else. But that's me. Hey, Crystal, um, we were thinking that maybe between the Breath of the Wild episode and the timeline episode to end the podcast, we might have a bonus episode like a list episode. A list episode? A rapid fire list episode. A list episode where we come up with our list of favorite things from throughout the series or whatnot, like we name our favorite dungeons or whatever the hell. Okay, that sounds good. Yeah, that'd be a fun, low-pressure episode. Um, I was thinking maybe we could do a little bit of a favorites listing for this game, though. Okay. Like... Just as a test of the format, what would you say are your favorite three characters in Skyward Sword? My favorite three characters in The Legend of Zelda Skyward Sword yeah. are Zelda, 
Impa Groose. We'll expand it to five, because I think that's going to be the same for all of us. <laughs> um, Girahim. Really? Yeah. He's fun. Beatrice. Uh, <laughs> there we go. What about you, Monica? Um, Zelda, Impa, and Groose. Yeah, those are. I think those are going to be yep. the top three. Uh, good grief. Now, you don't want to make Luke Speed Racer feel like he's right when he says this <laughs> no, game no, has I'm no characters decide, in it. No, I'm trying like, the baby. The baby? No, no, okay. No, no I mean, the baby's baby. really strong. Yes, but no, the the little girl, what's her name? Oh, oh, heck. Um, You just rescued her. I've R- forgotten. Rescued. Adorable little girl. The, the cutest child. The cutest child. Yeah. And... I like the Goran archaeologist. Yeah, yeah, Gorko. yeah. I tell you what, buddy. <laughs> He's the best. He's trying to make inroads on this Zelda lore. Yeah, Gorko's great. Um, my favorites would probably be, well, obviously the big three, um, Groose, Zelda, Empa. I think I'm the only one who puts Groose at the top, but that's fine. Um, and then probably the potion shop owner. Ma'am? Yes. Mm-hmm. And um, let's see. And then probably shit. I like so many of them so much. It's like I like Colin because he's such an unrepentant piece of shit who gets his. And I love that. But I also like the ghost hand. Ghost hand. The ghost hand's really good. Um, Big Kikui. Big ki- oh, the Kikui. The Kikui are really strong. Um, shit. Let me think for a second. Okay, so Beatrice is also a really good choice here. Maybe Carne. I was thinking of Carne. Carne's good. Carne's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll go Groose, Zelda, Impa, um, Potion Shop Owner, and Carne. We'll go with that. Carne's stuck in her own shoujo adventure, but it's not going like it should be. Poor Carne. Poor Carne. She doesn't have very appealing options. That's also true. Anyway, I haven't thought of other lists for us to come up with, so we'll have to come up with some lists. It should be very absurd. Very absurd? Yeah. Like what? Favorite footwear. What? No, that's too <laughs> absurd. You gotta reel that one in a little bit. Favorite ghosts. Mine would be the ghost in Link's Awakening. See, that's a great one. Yeah, that is good. Favorite ghost needs to be in there. Rank the ghosts. Oh, what about sharp? Sharp. Sharp and flat. Ah, they're okay. Even the Majora's Mask version? Oh, yeah, that's a great yeah. curse. Yeah, it's really good. It's the best curse in the series. No, but I like the sad ghost that wants to go to his house. And then he gets really sad about his house? Yes, and then he's ready to be at peace. Anyway, um, since we're going to be making a list episode, our readers should write in and let us know what things we should come up with. Lists of favorites. Probably not so much least favorites, but if you send in some least favorites, we'll probably try to incorporate some of them. We'll make a list of lists. That we'll come up with for the list episode. And I think that's it. Are we? Are we? Shall we stop here? Yeah, let's stop here. Okay. We reached the end of The Legend of Zelda Skyward Sword. Where can people find you online? You can find me on Twitter at CamWriter. Find me twitter.com slash arcane crystal, patreon.com slash arcane crystal. Uh, let's Place, the podcast where we scientifically and objectively rank every video game according to quality. MCU Complete Me, the show where we subjectively rank every Marvel movie according to quality. I like how one of them is objectively and the other is subjectively. 
yes, the MCU Complete Me is not an objective podcast. Let's Place is. What's the next um, movie that you're going over on MCU Complete Me? Captain America Civil War. Oh, boy. I bet that's an interesting discussion. It's a good one. A good discussion or a good movie? It's a good movie. Okay, <laughs> cool. I like also sp- known as the T'Challa times. Yeah, that is when T'Challa shows up. One might say it's the best movie that T'Challa's in. Oh, oh no, no, I don't. I don't know how many people would say that. I know there's at least one because I'm talking to her. But well, I might change my mind. <laughs> I hope that I hope that the next time you watch Black Panther, you enjoy it better. We've already gotten one score for Black Panther from AJ, and it is a C minus. Well, that's fine, I guess. I don't rely on MCU complete me for good opinions. I rely on it for good conversation. Did you like to hear a Zelda joke? Never, but you're going to tell me one anyway, so yes. This one comes in from Timothy Garris. Oh, oh boy. Yes. Oh, Tim. What did they call voting in the high rule? What did they call voting? The poll's voice. <laughs> that's a I, good one. That's actually not bad. Good job, Tim. Damn it. Okay, and starting the staff roll in five, four, three, two, one. Yes.